Welcome to another episode of You Are Love. I am your host, Salida, and I want you guys to take time out to check us out on our Facebook page, which is You Can't Clip My Wings, and also our website at YouCan'tClipMyWings.com. Thank you again for listening to You Are Loved. And do remember, you are truly loved. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Hope everyone is having a great morning. It is Tuesday. Yes, it is Tuesday. And we're back. I apologize because... No, today is Wednesday. Right? No, it's Tuesday. Um, I apologize because we were supposed to do a show Monday. And I had a list of things that I didn't com- get complete yesterday. Um, so I got to complete them today. But I definitely wanted to stop and go ahead and get you guys some information out there today. Now, we were talking about nonprofits and um, how important it is to know what you're doing. And I have a, a associate of mine that actually writes grants for nonprofits, um, helps people set up their nonprofits. And we were having a conversation um, and she told me some things I didn't know. Um, and that's why I said you constantly always learn something from somebody. She was kind of explaining to me the language of what your articles of corporation needs to sound like. And you also can go on irs.gov under nonprofit and get this information too. Um, but we're going to talk about that later on. But I wanted to just say that to say um, that there are things that you're learning on a constant basis on how to do different things. And it's so great that people share stuff with you because a lot of times we have great information, but we don't share it with anybody. And we've got to learn how to do that, um, being able to share information. So we're going to go ahead and get back on the 10 steps on how to start a nonprofit. And remember, we were talking, the article came from donorbox.org if I'm not mistaken. Um, and we left off on number three, and that was Friday. Golly, my memory's kind of perking up there. We left off on number three, but I want to go ahead and recap a little bit on where we started from, how, you know, when you decide to do a nonprofit, what do you need to do? So just give me a minute here, and oh, we'll get back into that. And yes, so let's start from the beginning. Um, just kind of recap on what we 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 were gonna we're gonna cover here. Um, we're gonna talk about the ten steps of starting a nonprofit. And also have some more information from another person who's doing a nonprofit also in these articles um, that I like to look up. Uh, Step one, why do you need a nonprofit? Why do you need a nonprofit? What are you trying to achieve? Okay. Um, step two, build a solid foundation. Um, step three, create a detailed business plan. Step four, build a strong and motivated leadership team. Step five, build your identity. Step six, legally. 
incorporate your nonprofit organization. Step seven, secure startup funding. Step eight, move into early operations. Step nine, how to get donations. Mm -hmm. And step 10, a roadmap for the future. Okay. Now, the first question we ask is, why do you need to start a nonprofit? Okay. Firstly, according to the National Center for Charitable and Statistics, uh, more than 1.5 million nonprofit organizations are registered in the U.S. While this number is encouraging and hopeful for the progress of the world, it does not mean that there are probably plenty of other nonprofit organizations doing similar work to the one you're planning to do. This doesn't necessarily have to be an issue. However, if your organization is in no way depreciating um, itself and clearly positioning a solution to an existing problem, funding will be hard to come by. Essentially, it will be harder to get support if you're simply duplicating existing services rather than improving or adding to them in a meaningful way. And I think I told you guys that in my area, at the time, I had a, a friend of mine that we wanted to open up a teen pregnancy um, center. Um, that was back in the day. At the time, we didn't have one here. It would have been a great idea. But we didn't fall, we didn't um, see through it. We, we had the great idea, we put it together, and we just never did anything with it, basically. But now I know that they have a teen um, pregnancy, um, um, I don't want to say agency, but they have some help now. Now, how could we improve, improve on that? We probably could sit down and have a meeting and find out where they don't, you know, where they're, you know, where they're lacking or, or resources they don't have. And then we could probably come in and help with that resources without even creating a uh, nonprofit. We could do it that way. Um, just being one of the, uh, the um, resources they need. So yeah, you have to look at and make sure your nonprofit is not duplicating one that's already there. It does start to fool with the funding. So that's something you have to keep in mind. Okay. There are also different ways to serve a mission you care about. And starting a new, excuse me, starting a 501c3 registered nonprofit organization is a complicated process. And alternatives might be easy. So it might not be that you need to start a 5013c. Maybe it's all right for you to go ahead and um, do it from that angle. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. Plus, estimates vary, but most experts agree that less than half of nonprofit startups survive beyond five years. Of those that survive, perhaps one-third are in financial distress. So you look at the number, and, and that can go for many reasons. Mismanagement. Um, it could come from the idea that you're duplicating someone else. Um, keeping volunteers in the positions that you need them in, um, just getting the funding can also be a problem. So how do you get beyond that? 
Okay, how do you get beyond the financial part? Okay, now, establishing the need of forming a nonprofit. Uh, this is part of uh, establishing a need. So this is step one. Think about your intended demographics, the population you wish to serve. You don't necessarily have to go into too many details just yet. So make sure to establish the needs of your population you're hoping to service. Think about your intended solution and whether you'll truly be adding value. Now, I'm going to tell you about the one that I'm involved in. Um, and uh, this one is dealing with our housing um, situation. We fall up under a bigger umbrella that... Um, their initiatives are to make sure we have policies um, that are housing orientated, affordable housing, clean environment, safe environment. All of those things kind of tie in together, uh, making sure there's money um, put in the right places for the housing, um, for housing issues that happens, take place. Um, across our state. So we, there, we're part of nine, we're part of a bigger picture, but there's nine alliances, housing alliances that we fall under. We also work with um, Alliance for Energy. Uh, we work with Community for Change. So they're a bigger partnership because they're all over. Um, so they're a bigger partnership. So it's all of us together up under one umbrella um, trying to make a change. So we, we're not really duplicated because everybody's um, situation has a unique um, perspective to it. But we're all supposed to be doing basically the same work. And advocating, advocacy is a big thing. Um, getting volunteers to be more involved in what we do. Um, uh, being able to take people who live in these areas to be able to speak out for themselves. Um, so that's what we usually do. That's how our, our nonprofit is set up that way. But it's better when, like we said, you have somebody who's doing something similar, which would be our mother, which is housing Louisiana and everything falls up under them. So, um, <coughs> excuse me. So that's how we do it. Okay. So we're really not duplicating. Um, the same thing is that we all have the same problems. And because we're so spread out and we take care of these large chunks of areas, it's, you know, it's not something, you know, that um, it's, it's, a, it's good to be different, but we all have, we don't have the resources to take care of everybody. So we have to be creative. Let, let's say it that way. Okay, step number two, find demographic or population data that shows a need for your services and confirm if, how, if and how the need is not being met. So we talked about housing. Everybody knows there's a housing shortage, a housing shortage. Um, and um, what can we do to fix that housing shortage? Uh, all of that stuff plays into how are we moving forward with the nonprofit? Step three, identify nonprofit 
or for-profit organizations that are already serving the same needs of populations that you wish to serve, okay? So we already know that. We've um, Then what you can also do is partner with some other people who actually have the concerns and they want to be, um, when I say partner, they want to help in whatever way they want they can. Financially, whatever way they can help, they're going to help. So you become a partner with that person because you're both trying to get to that same goal. Step four, it says consider other alternatives to creating your own nonprofit organization by joining existing organizations in some capacity, becoming a consultant, starting a donor advised fund, or seeking fiscal um, sponsorship. Fiscal sponsorship is somebody um, who's going to be your blanket, okay? They'll be where you house yourself, like Housing Louisiana is our fiscal um, responsibility. I mean, fiscal uh, sponsorship, you know, we fall up under them. Number step five, triple check what chip triple check with your, your yourself and any others you're working with reflect on the following questions. So let's talk about the questions that we need to ask with all this in mind. Do we still want to go forward with starting a nonprofit? Do you start doubting? Do you think it's worth it? Um, your time, your energy, getting people involved, do you think that's what you want to do? Uh, is it starting a registered is starting a registered nonprofit the best way to serve this mission considering all the advantages and drawbacks? Okay, question to ask. Okay. Um, getting it registered or just volunteer and work with other people who's doing the same thing that you want to do. Get I mean, that would be the way, I mean, because you got United Way, Red Cross, you got all these other organizations. If those are the things that you, you're looking into being serving the people with, maybe you should work with them. Are we clearly adding value and posing a specific solution to a specific problem? I mean, really? But if you do your research, you'll find out if you are. Okay. What I've noticed in a lot of um, organizations, nonprofit organizations, I see them doing a lot, but yet and still I see some things missing. You understand what I'm saying? Kind of sometimes see something missing from them. And I think too, because so many people are doing the same thing, there is a problem with funding. Um, because people are only going to, you know, uh, lots of philanthropists and people who do this on a constant basis, livelihood is to give away money, um, they, they're very prudent in what they're doing. They want to make sure that they need to do this with someone. You know what I'm saying? So they're going to definitely be double checking and making, doing their research to see if they might be able to help you in another way and not always necessarily financial. Okay. So then we talked about pro tip number one. To help you out, you could also perform a nonprofit needs assessment with the population in question. Okay. So what is a nonprofit needs assessment? Wow. So it shows you what a nonprofit needs. Okay. Let's see here. Okay. Real quick here. How to perform a nonprofit needs assessment. It says real quick, by definition, nonprofits aren't trying to earn a profit, but they are still a business and should follow certain standards because 
I mean, standard business procedures in order to operate successfully. When businesses launch a new product, they do a needs assessment to determine if there is a real demand for their product. If there is no demand, they will lose money. Before launching a new nonprofit initiative or service, you must also perform a needs assessment. Determine if there is what if there is a want for it in your community. It says a needs assessment is a process for figuring out if people require service you want to provide and if it will appropriately address their needs. It lays the foundation for planning and implementing the new initiative by aligning resources with strategy and clarifying any potential opportunity or issues. All right. So it says step one, ask the big questions. At the start of the needs assessment, some of the questions you will need to answer include, is any other organization already providing this service in the area? Uh, how many people need this service? Who is your target audience? What is their demographic profile? And what are this audience's needs and desires? Okay. If you don't already know the answers to these questions, you can perform a survey to collect data about the community and audience over the phone, door-to-door, -door, or by using focus groups. Once you know your competition and whom you are hoping to target, you can start developing goals, determining resources, pinpointing problems, and prioritizing actions. Number two, a SWOT analysis, S-W-O-T analysis. We also encourage our nonprofit organization to perform a SWOT, strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats analysis as part of the needs of the assessment. Determining these key insights will help you formulate your new marketing strategy. Okay, so let's talk about your strengths and weaknesses. <clears throat> what you write under these two sections will help you to look internally at your organization to figure out what is your capable, what are you capable doing capable of doing where there's room for improvement, your strengths can include things that make your initiative unique, your experience and knowledge, and the quality and reputation of your organization. So, and this is from Social Solutions. I didn't give you guys a name. And you guys have to understand all this is for educational purposes. It's not about anything else. When it comes to the weaknesses section of your SWAT, you should incorporate areas that need the most work. This could include a gap in skills, staffing issues, or motivational problems throughout your organization. From determining your weaknesses, you'll be able to fix any issues within your nonprofit and ensure that your staff is motivated and involved. So you need to sort out your weaknesses, things that you don't have, people that you don't have involved that you need involved. You find out what your weaknesses are and you work on them, write them down, and then work on them. Bring out those and, and bring them up to where they're now in one of your strengths. Opportunities and threats. Uh, many organizations are great at looking within, but find it more difficult to examine external factors. The opportunities and threat sections 
force you to focus on the conditions of the real world and how they affect your initiative. Opportunities can include partnerships you can make in the community, ways to reduce costs, and ideals for diversifying the organization. The threats section should include any possible changes in the community that could negatively impact your initiative, any strong competitors, and things such as seasonality. Seasonality, that it doesn't have, things don't happen all the time. It just happens during the season. Now, say that you're in an area where you, the demographics, when you originally started your nonprofit or started working on your nonprofit, your, um, your population, your demographics was fine. It worked out. Then people start doing a massive exodus. Now you have to adjust your 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 uh, plans because now the demographics does not equate to what you originally started out. So now you got to figure out how to change it and then adjust it to who's left in that area. Okay. Um, step number three: bring it all together. Once you have narrowed your initiative, focus, determined your target audience and perform the SWOT analysis, you will be able to confidently, confidentially determine if your initiative is of great need in the community. If there isn't a need for your initiative, you're able to start over without having invested too much time, work, or money into something that would have been unsuccessful. So, you know, once you look, do that SWOT analysis and you break everything down and you realize that, you know what, Maybe we need to look in another direction. Don't be upset. Don't get discouraged. Continue working with it. Change it up a little bit to fit whatever else you need to do or whatever else is out there that you can do, okay? Um, if there is a need for your nonprofit program, you'll be able to get right to work. Like any good business, a nonprofit should never start a new service without determining if there's an actual need for it. Exactly. <clears throat> a good needs assessment will help ensure your initiative um, eventual success and support your organization on its way to achieve its goals. Did your organization perform a needs assessment for a program you recently launched? What did you learn from it? Let us know in the comments. Okay, it's just telling you to know to, okay, cool, cool. So that's what you, that's a needs assessment that needs to be done when you start a nonprofit. And that came from uh, solutions.com. Um, let's see, where did we leave off at? Okay, make sure I said that right. Yeah, solutions. Oh, I'm sorry, socialsolutions.com. All right, so now that we talked about that, let's go to pro tip number two. That's pro tip number one. Pro tip number two says, throughout the research process, be sure to save all the qualitative and quantitative data you accumulate. It will come in handy as you base data, as your base data when you get into monitoring and evaluating your organization's work in the future. So those, that's something you're going to have to do. You have to go back and look at everything and see if it's matching up or do some changes need to be made. Okay. So keep all your information from your 
once you get it started. Keep all that information because you can use it later on. So number two is build a solid foundation. Your nonprofit needs to be built on a solid foundation and clarity. A clear vision and value make for a strong and well-run organization. Here's what you will need to take up. Choose a name for your nonprofit. Clearly identify and state the need and problem. Devise the state Devise and state a solution to that problem. Define a population. Uh, determine a vision and values. Come up with a to-the-point mission statement. And um, I don't have any of my information up here. So tomorrow I will definitely pull up my information on my other computer and print it out so you guys can go over what we've done with our alliances here, um, how we set it up, okay? Now, it says 2.1, choosing a name for your nonprofit. So, <clears throat> this is all from step two. In the beginning, you'll also need to choose a name for your nonprofit. There are many ways in which you can go about naming your nonprofit organization. However, it's safe to say you should select a name that's unique and somehow related to the main activities of your profit. Um, the decision will set the tone and influence your nonprofit's brand for years to come. So it's smart to take some time to think through this decision. So, because we take care of the Central Louisiana area, we called our Sinla Housing Alliance because we have uh, we have North Shore Housing Alliance. We have um, we have all the different uh, different alliances that have the names that pertain to. Um, their areas, like we have Acadiana Housing Alliance, that's in the Acadiana area, so that would be Lafayette, those southern areas was, would fall up under Acadiana's Housing Alliances. So ours are all alliances that fall up under one big umbrella, and so it's easy for us to come up with a name. It's not unique, it just says Central Louisiana Housing Alliance, so we take care of a, we take care of about four different parishes that fall up under us, um, up under the Housing Alliance itself, but we have a bigger umbrella, like I said before. Okay, so it says how to choose a nonprofit name. It says try um, brainstorming with your team or your friends and acquaintances. See which names um, sound more inspiring or which ones are more memorable. Remind yourself of what your nonprofit's mission is, what your main activities are, and who your members are, or even where you're located. It says make sure um, your nonprofit's name is easy to say and remember. Use descriptive words, but try not to overdo it. Make it too long. Don't use technical industry-specific jargon. And abbreviations are good for you, for you to use them very let me see. All abbreviations are good if you use them well. Now, I also had was um, I already have a nonprofit also personally, um, and it's called Hugs Around the Heart, and I started this nonprofit when I was living in Tennessee, and totally got when I got here, I wound up getting it registered and was working in it, and I think around the time my husband had a heart attack. And I kind of just drifted away from it, okay? And so what I did was, 
Um, not too long ago, I had it reinstated through the state as registration, but I haven't done anything else with it, okay, as of right now, but there are plans to do things with it. I pick Hugs Around the Hearts because it originally was going to be working with youth because at the time I had the desire to see some good things happen with the youth, so that was where that Hugs Around the Hearts came from. Um, we actually, we still, we now use it because it is a registered agent. I mean, it's a registered um, uh, entity that I actually have. So mm -hmm. I...